0: everyone, and welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we have the most requested guest of all time, or, or at least this year, an interview
1: with Kate Kennedy. Well, it's not quite an interview. We're testing a new guest format. We just haven't cracked getting you all to like guests as much as you like us chatting. So we're going to combine three things in guests and see how that goes. We'd love your feedback on if you like this episode format or if you have other ideas. I'm personally really excited about this. Me too. But before we get to chatting with Kate, let's talk about some highs and lows. Yes. Share your your high with the, the class. I have a big high. I finished my second draft of my second novel, which has felt like my Everest. So huge, major accomplishment. I sent it off to my agent's assistant. Uh, my agent is currently on maternity leave. And now I have two and a half weeks off while she reads it. And I am just living the temporary life of leisure. Although I was just saying to Olivia before we got on the Zoom that I haven't been able to relax yet. And I'm like, I'm wasting my own time. I'm doing stupid stuff. I'm like making Canva graphics. And I'm like, just fucking sit on your couch and read a book and relax, dumbass. (laughs) Well, congratulations.
0: You, I'm sure, will relax, but it takes some time to get into relaxation mode. I
1: know. I know. But I'm so thrilled. What about you? You should be. It's been a long time. I know. And a lot of work. I'm also thrilled that I get to wipe the slate clean and go into a new draft. There will be many more drafts. Like, I'm under no illusion that this is done and I'm getting a gold star. But, you know, in the next draft, I think I set too aggressive a deadline I then was trying to meet it. And so I got into really bad work habits of working on the weekend and I stopped going on my walks and I just let a lot of habits slide. So I'm very excited to also go into a next draft with my 2024 goals. Top of mind. Yeah. Like a fresh start, a new attitude. I like it. What is happening on your side? It looks like I am watching you I through don't a prism. It's the sun. It's I
0: think the sun is reflecting off. Wait. Oh, yeah. The sun is reflecting off something. I can't tell what it is. But yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can hold my arm right here. Oh, you don't
1: have to do that. It looks like I'm looking at Olivia through a crystal it does. prism. It's it like does. very soft. It's very psychedelic. Zoom. Yeah, it's like soft that and rainbowy. Effect.
0: I can't. It'll probably change in a minute. Maybe it's reflecting off the snow or something. It's really strange.
1: I don't want to say this, but like, you kind of look like a ghost. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Or (laughs) thank you, but (laughs) sarcastically, I'm not really sure. I know. I know. Tell me your high. What's your high? Uh,
0: My high is that I have been cooking a lot lately, which was kind of like a sub goal of mine this year to just get back into the habit of making meals for myself for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Cause I kind of just been like grabbing whatever, just not caring. So I've been cooking a lot and it's been really nice. Uh, So I went to Costco and I bought like a bunch of stuff. I bought a, premium size bag, an extra extra large bag of pumpkin seeds. I love pumpkin seeds. So So
1: you're cooking I don't know. I have I've just been making
0: like salad just pumpkin (laughs) seeds. Just sorry. Just pumpkin seeds and nothing else. No. I've just been eating them on like in salads and in yogurt. So it's less like recipes, although I am making those like soups and oh it's very it's soup season. It is. Last night I made green beans with like honey and soy sauce and then I made peanut noodles. Ooh. So I don't know. I'm just enjoying like the ritual of cooking, making a meal, even if it's just, you know, pumpkin putting seeds. some pumpkin seeds on, even if it's just seeds. I am a bird at a bird feeder essentially, <laughs> but I don't feel like there's a lot of variety in what I was eating. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited. To I'm happy your you're res- happy. Recipes and stuff.
1: <laughs> what about on the low side? The low side?
0: Uh, look, it could be a high because I'm proud Ooh. of myself for doing this but it was a low in some ways. So we'll talk about it. I am committed this year to like doing some sort of strength training regularly. It doesn't have to be fancy. So I, for the first time in like literally a year and a half, picked up a dumbbell yesterday. I did like an arm workout and my God, I have no muscle tone. Like I, at one point was like using 25 pound dumbbells like a year and a half, two years ago. And like, I literally was using five pounds and it was a struggle. It was a struggle. It's bad. We have a lot of work to do. Let's just say that. But I did it. So that's a start.
1: But you're working on it.
0: I am. I am.
1: We'll see. What's your low? I don't really know if I have one. I mean, I am tempted to complain about the weather, but honestly, it's kind of nice to have an excuse not to go outside as I try to force myself into relaxation mode.
0: I'm loving this the snow. It's so nice. I mean, the snow is one
1: thing. It's the cold. It's like I think the high here is twenty five today, which is not high enough.
0: Yeah. I'm liking that too weirdly. I don't know. Good for you. I feel you. No wind. If there's wind, I would feel differently.
1: Good for you. You're just a bird at a bird (laughs) cedar enjoying the cold weather who didn't fly south for the winter. I that's me. That's That's you. That's how Uh, I always describe you to people. Tufted titmouse. Yeah. That's me. Okay. (laughs) Maybe we should take an ad break and get into this interview before things devolve more. This episode is sponsored by Pros. I am still riding my January New Year energy high, but one thing I'm not keen on changing this year is my hair care routine. Because after 37 years, I feel like I have finally cracked it, thanks in large part to my custom formula shampoo and conditioner from Pros. My hair is healthier, shinier, and fuller than it's ever been. And maybe you're gunning for a hair transformation this year. So let's talk.
0: It all starts with their honestly very fun and in-depth hair quiz. You answer questions about your styling routine and hair goals, but also about some less expected things like your exercise routine, eating habits, and hair damage level. With those answers, they analyze over 85 personal factors to create your perfect formula. Also, as a pro tip, I highly suggest getting the Corsica scent. It's crafted with peonies and anjou pears and makes every shower smell like a luxurious Italian spa experience.
1: The other thing I love about pros is that my hair has never gotten used to it, even after almost four years of using it. And I think that's in large part due to the review and refine feature. So after every order, you get to tell them how they did and make tiny tweaks to make your formula even better. And it's risk-free. If you're not 100% positive pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked.
0: Custom made-to-order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 50% off your first subscription order today, plus 15% off and free shipping every subscription order after that. Go to pros.com slash BOP. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair consultation and 50% off your first subscription order.
1: We are so excited to have Kate Kennedy with us today. By very popular demand via Instagram question box, you were by and far the most requested guest. That's Kate true. is, yeah, Kate is the host of the Be There in Five podcast, and her second book, One in a Millennial, just came out on Tuesday. Welcome, Kate.
2: Thank you for having me. What's the last time we podcasted together? Was it like pre-pandemic? It was definitely pre-pandemic. Like Twenty nineteen. Wanted... Yeah. We had wine in Grace's apartment. Good times. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever met you. So I feel
0: like I'm meeting uh, someone who has existed in my phone for a really long time. So <laughs> nice to meet you. Welcome.
2: <laughs> Likewise. In my ears, too. Um, <laughs> nice to meet you as well. No, I, people love your show. And I feel like we've got into the podcasting game a while ago, and I'm glad we're all still here. <laughs> I know,
1: right? <laughs> so you're our guinea pig today. We're testing a new guest format, And we asked you to bring three things to talk to us about today. And we
2: don't know what they are. So you're going to surprise us. Do you want to hit us with your first thing, Kate? Sure. This is a thing I think about a lot, but I don't know that I even have like a perspective on it. But I'm fascinated by TikTok micro trends in terms of aesthetics and how quickly they come and go. Mm. And, you know, there's stuff like clean girl aesthetic or you know, coastal grandmother that will get popular that are just kind of hyper specific. But even like the derivatives of those trends are so funny to me because it's like, here's how you get cinnamon cookie butter makeup. And it's like, isn't that just brown (laughs) eyeshadow? Like do we have to brand everything about our existence? Yeah. And um, on TikTok, I was laughing because there was somebody like when I'm scrolling, I genuinely have trouble discerning satire from like earnestness and talking about these aesthetics. And there's this one person on TikTok that I saw earlier today that was like, because now apparently eclectic grandpa is in, which that's apparently real. Oh. It's like sweater vests and I large I think I'm ready sneakers. for that. I, think I thought that you I'm, were going to say mob wife, which is what I'm seeing and everywhere. mob now. <laughs> wife is the other one. And there's two things I find interesting. One is that we brand things in real time or, or in advance in ways that we didn't used to. Like trends used to just happen and then we label them later. Like in hindsight, but now it's Mm -hmm. almost like we're manufacturing these aesthetics in advance, which I think is interesting. And also, I just saw a person kind of poking at this trend and it made me laugh. She was like, You know, dark academia is out this spring. It's all about bewildered mailman or norm core (laughs) Pagliacci. And I was like, No, seriously, like that's what's happening. And I'm fascinated. Do you feel inclined to keep up with these trends? Because I
1: feel like at 37, I am at the point where. I do feel like I keep up with music trends. I do feel like I keep up with pop culture in general, but I can look at what was it? Cinnamon sugar. Ice, C-
2: cinnamon cookie butter makeup. Cinnamon obviously cookie butter makeup and just be like, <laughs> where have you been? You know what? I'm going to send this one out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a brown eyeshadow. It's just like one swipe of eyeshadow. That That's
2: serious. it. <laughs> I think that the best part about getting older is realizing that perhaps the coolest thing you could do is not worry about being cool. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I feel like there's been a decline of personal style. Like I'm thinking of people, like I feel like in the early 2000s, even like actresses or, you know, fashion celebrities who had just like an ultra specific aesthetic. Like I'm thinking of like Lynn Yeager or grace coddington or like these people who were just mm. so outside of trends and that was Keaton cool in a waist belt totally yeah. but like does that exist today
2: i feel like I the trends are so just there's like a monoculture to it and i think about grace a lot in terms of like and even anna wintour like anna wintour never stopped wearing statement necklaces and we we really went the other direction for statement jewelry the past several years And Grace was part of Vogue too, right? And it's like the people, Mm -hmm. the most inside that that are so uh, influential in fashion almost see it for what it is and like fleeting, meaningless trends where it's just better to craft a sense of personal style and uniform that you maintain. And I think that's kind of telling that the people that work in the industry don't even do the trends. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if it's monoculture or like it's almost the opposite of what I feel like I did, which is avoid uniqueness at all costs. Like I just, it was so like with the bandwagon that I just was carbon copying things I saw like popular kids wearing. And now I think these aesthetics are about like doing pretty generic things, but almost branding them uniquely to like finagle some sense of distinction. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It's like, I feel like it's all a branding thing because even this past week, what I've seen is I forget the exact name, but they're calling like basically dirty blonde, like what most natural blondes hair color is, like that sort of dishwater blonde color, mm-hmm. a.k.a. me, that I've been Same. fighting against for like 15 years. They're calling it like old Hollywood blonde or something. It's like the Taylor like, oh oh hair how color right you now. are.
2: Your roots grow out. It's
0: fine. Like, do you know how much money I have spent trying to just be actually like blonde? And now I'm like, oh, no, I could have just I could have just lean into it if I just branded it the right
1: way. It's, OK, ugh, I'm going to put brilliant. both of you on the spot. If you needed to come up with a clever marketing name for your own aesthetic,
2: your own personal style, what would you call it? I think of mine as grunge keynote speaker because I'm always wearing a black top. I love a black turtleneck and I love a light wash denim like Steve Jobs. And the grunge piece just comes from like the knee holes. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of my happy place. Like I feel put together in a black top and jeans, which is like the most generic uniform. But if there's like one hole in my jeans, I feel edgy. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I feel like mine is like modern
0: Amish woman. Like I I like... Oh, that's good too. uh, (laughs) I like a puff sleeve, but like you're not going to catch me in like a lace up loafer as I'm imagining mm, Amish wear. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be a sneaker, a converse.
2: Would you think, um, would you say it's like urban cottage core? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better than <laughs> that's
0: better Like, than do you Amish. identify
2: with cottage core? I think cottage core was one of the biggest waves of this trend of naming trends when Hill House Home first came on the scene and stuff. I mean, I I want to identify with Cottage Core on the scale of Cottage
0: Core to Mob Wife. I'm way more Cottage Core. I, <laughs> mob Wife is not even <laughs> in my co- closet at all. There's no leather. It's not happening. It's You're no. You're the one trapping <laughs> the
2: fur that the Mob Wife will wear. Exactly. I'm churning the butter <laughs> that
0: goes into the pasta that the Mob Wife needs.
2: Mob Wife is really just everybody wanting to repurpose their. Fur vests from 2016 when we wore fur vests, skinny jeans, and over-the-knee boots. Like oh my Ariana God. Grande.
0: Duh, fur vests. I just went back in time. Oh, wow. Hooded. And over the knee boot.
2: Oh <laughs> gosh. For what
1: her. about you, Becca? What's your aesthetic? I think I would say urban elementary school art teacher.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. As that's so not you can see,
1: my my cardigan your does sweater. have pom-poms yeah. on it. it <laughs> yes, pom-poms. <laughs> exactly. I love that so much. <laughs> It's true. So I'm ready. If if anyone wants to jump on the urban elementary school art teacher bandwagon, (laughs) I am here to be the face of a trend. Just put it on TikTok. Well, you deleted TikTok. I deleted TikTok. TikTok. if if you had TikTok, you could put it out there and you would start a whole new world. You deleted TikTok. I deleted it on the air last week because I'm trying (sighs) to get my screen time down to something that has a three in front of it. And so I think TikTok can't have a place there. But... The minute I deleted it, I got a New York Times article alert about something called bookshelf wealth trending on oh, TikTok. What <laughs> it,
0: tell me what this is, because I saw this word and I just scrolled on by, you know. well,
1: So I think there's a backlash against it, too. So I don't know that it's like purely of positive, course. but <laughs> it's the aesthetic of not just having like the books by the foot, like the rich people who buy books that they don't read, but having a curated, tailored bookshelf situation that you also are a reader like it's not just the aesthetic because you can buy books by the foot from the strand in a color that's wild really yeah Yeah, risky by the way (laughs) yeah so like a lot of I mean they do it for photo shoots and commercials and stuff but also some rich people will be like I only want white books and they'll just buy however many feet of white books
0: it's the least relatable thing I can imagine spending money on in my life books always yes but like color-coded no I know
2: well and it's like check your privilege are you able to afford movers much the, like when I think about books <laughs> oh by the yard I'm like oh my god I'm a renter like I will move all the time and the idea of schlepping books I don't even read or like <laughs> that just choose it's color true. there's that's a heavy hobby I think heavy it's a homeowner it, it's definitely a homeowner it's a thing. homeowner not yeah. for renters nah, not not renter friendly <laughs>
1: speaking of renters, I dipped into the first few chapters of your book last night. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely loving it. And can you give us the pitch for your book really quickly before I talk to you about renting versus owning?
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of the intersection of two experiences, being a millennial and being a female. It's called One and a Millennial. For the generational piece, I wanted to kind of revisit pop culture and the zeitgeisty elements that make us a product of our time and part of the gender piece, I wanted to detail the way we engage with that media and that pop culture in real time and kind of reclaim experiences of our girlhood that were easily written off as like frivolous or unimportant. And I think they're just two identities, being a young woman and being a millennial that are labeled as so many things, but I kind of wanted to excavate it from the inside and talk about how like, I think that, you know, my verbal proficiency has a lot more to do with AOL Instant Messenger than like, any, so, anything sophisticated I dabbled in, or like a lot of the places that I was told would rot my brain, are s- some of my best life lessons. And I just kind of wanted to celebrate a lot of elements of, and criticize a lot of elements of our culture growing up that I think shaped us and matter, but were easy to write off.
1: What I loved so much was that the intro chapter is really kind of a
2: defense of millennials,
1: and mm-hmm. you know, against all of the bad press, and and kind of like, I feel like what was the headline about? They're trolls living in their parents' basement, and you're like, I'm. I would be so impressed if your parents had a basement. <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn,
2: a basement. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the insults of yesteryear are like our best case scenarios, and I think about that every time someone on TikTok tries to hard sell me that they live in a van by the river. I'm like, that used to not be ideal. idea that part because it's true. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> We're trying to find silver linings, but yeah, millennials are so maligned, and you know it, it, it's kind of funny how in the mid to late 2010s, there was that clickbait trend of saying we ruined every major industry and economic sector, whether it was killing marmalade or paper napkins or diamonds or the entirety of the American dream. I'm sorry, like marmalade deserve to live. (laughs) It's kind of gross and like chunky jam. Exactly. Marmalade.
0: It was on its way out. Let's be honest.
2: I agree. It's not my fault that you can't make marmalade happen. We made Lady Marmalade happen. And that feels like (laughs) enough. Yeah, like get, <laughs> so get much Kale's <laughs> publicist
1: on the line. If Kale can do it, Kale walked so Marmalade could
0: run. We we brought back Brussels sprouts. Let me just tell you. Yeah. I think we single-handedly made that industry, but we never get credit for that, do we?
2: We really don't. Brussels sprouts were like the token food in the 90s that was like, ew, gross, I'm never eating those. And now, yeah, we're eating them as bar snacks. <laughs> exactly. It was like liver and onions on Doug. Oh, Yeah. Do you think lima beans are going to get a moment? I feel like that was the other disgusting
1: food when I was a kid that you got threatened with.
2: Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know that they have the versatility, Becca. I don't think I've had a lima bean as an adult. (laughs) Maybe Maybe they they just are are bad. (laughs) If I'm
0: ever eating lima beans as a bar snack and it's like a buffalo wing and a lima bean, like I just, I will be shocked. But
2: who knows? Yeah, maybe do a wellness check. Like why not a pinto, a black bean, a baked? There's so many other places you can go with it. (laughs) So many. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take another ad break.
1: I am so excited that we're working with Framebridge this year. I feel like our audience will appreciate this. I am going to let you in on the secret of one of my favorite gifts to give the really special people in my life. So it starts with going on Etsy and getting some custom digital art made. And I mean, you can get anything made. But in the past, I found sellers that can do renderings of a stack of a person's favorite books. Or last year, when Olivia was leaving Philly, I got her one with little matchbooks from some of her favorite local Philly stores and restaurants. And then you take that digital download and you upload it to FrameBridge and find the perfect custom frame. And for like these little art pieces I love that they have fun colored frames. The one I got, Olivia, was like bright green. Like they have creative, funky ones too. It is truly my favorite personalized gift to give to somebody. And I
0: can speak from experience. It's also very fun to receive. That gift that Becca gave me is one of my favorite things. And in fact, I'm still searching for the perfect place to put it in my home. But the green frame is perfection. And the great thing about Framebridge is that they make it easy and affordable to custom frame just about anything. And I really do mean anything. They can also frame objects. Jake and I had the original key to our house framed. And I recently had a cocktail napkin frame from my brother's favorite dive bar from the time he lived in Alaska. And what's so cool is that you can preview what your piece will look like online. And their pricing is completely based on the size of your piece. So you know exactly what you're getting and how much you'll pay for it up front.
1: Also, they have a new feature that I think is genius. So they just released four new layouts of their popular line of curated gallery walls. And I have done a gallery wall before and I feel like my brain just does not work that way. It's so difficult to figure out what will look good. But with these, they create the perfect layout. You provide the photos or art and it comes with a life-sized hanging guide to make installation simple, foolproof, and fun. And I do not think anyone has ever used those words about creating a gallery wall before. So this is true innovation.
0: If you're weary of framing something online, I totally get it. And you should know that Framebridge has a happiness guarantee, which I've used before. I had a frame arrive with a tiny scratch and they immediately sent me a new one right then and there. So if you're not 100% happy with your piece for any reason, Framebridge will make it right. And they also have a growing footprint of retail stores in New York City, Boston, Philly, D.C., and more, where you can get one-on-one expert design advice and see all the frames in person. Visit framebridge.com or a retail store to custom frame just about anything. Again, that's framebridge.com.
1: All right, we've, we've got off on a tangent a little bit,
2: as is the way of your podcast. So I feel like it's yes. on brand. <laughs> but what's your second thing that you brought for us? Oh, it was just a show that I binge watched over Christmas and then got a bunch of my listeners into. And now we just are all obsessed with it, but it's old. Well, it's from Is 2020. It? Welcome to Plathville.
0: I I, oh, yeah, I was hoping you <laughs> brought this up.
2: I'll just so <laughs> I'm so see myself. out. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm> so, no, <laughs> it's <okay>. well, <laughs> yeah.
0: I have never actually seen a full episode, but like I am like, TLC proficient. Like, I can talk about any TLC show in detail. Like, I'm familiar with Barry. I know the Olivia and Ethan drama. Yeah, Never seen a whole episode. I don't know okay. how I'm actually absorbing the info, but I know.
2: For anyway, the I'm excited. Out there, I can you give me the pitch
1: for, like, what this show is?
2: You know, the thing about TLC reality shows is they generally bum me out. You know, like, Bravo, it's more, like, aspirational and glam. This TLC finds people that are, like, in kind of unfortunate circumstances, and I always feel weird about it. And this kind of started that way, because, like, I think the Duggars, like, 19 kids in like, obviously they have huge problems and are off the air now, but, like, these things, they kind of make me feel sad because it's, like, a spectacle of, like, look at how many kids they have, and they can't really take care of all of them, so the kids are parentified and take care of each other, and you kind of feel weird because the children are being exploited, but Plathville is an interesting thing where it doesn't feel like propaganda for their like religion. It's a family with nine kids and they're all like bleach blonde and they live in Southwest Georgia. And it starts out, I think, kind of supposed to be a spectacle of like, look at this super conservative family. The kids have no access to technology, video games. They're not allowed to date. They don't have any outside friends. They've never traveled. Like the one daughter, Mariah, goes to San Francisco for the first time in the first season and like sees a gay person for the first time. And it's like, wow. I mean, it's And she was like 19. I mean, it's crazy. They're so, so, so sheltered. But the show's interesting because over the course of five seasons, they break away. and There's complicated family dynamics and there's people going no contact. There's people deconstructing their faith. You watch these kids kind of grow up and adjust to a world that they had zero access to. So this, you know, 20-year-old man has never had a Coke and you're watching him try one for the first time. And it's just a really interesting think piece of how like, these parents really thought the noble thing to do was shelter their kids from all the bad things that could happen to them. But in doing that, the bad thing that happened to them was completely not preparing them for the actual world. And then we all watch it on TV as they don't know how to operate. It's really interesting, and I can't recommend it enough if you want an easy background show for five seasons that makes you think.
0: Interesting. I feel like it's been so much more than five seasons somehow. Like, in my mind, it has the longevity of Sister Wives, which is my specialty, but... (laughs) It has a similar vibe as the sister wives. You watch this family basically implode from their own shtick, which was, you know, multiple wives. Didn't work out so well in the end. But yeah, right. Becca, I don't know if it's your thing, but it is really fascinating.
1: I don't know either, but it's making me think of in real life, the part of Brooklyn I live in has a very big Hasidic population. Mm-hmm. And there's this great documentary called, I think it's called One of Us, about three I've different people yeah. who have left...
2: Yeah, I see. Like seen ultra that. Orthodox
1: ascetic Judaism. And what's so interesting to me is I can almost kind of understand how this works in like suburban, middle of nowhere, Georgia. But this is like in New York, and you will see people riding the subway, but they don't participate in like technology or things like that. And it's like if you were a kid and you were seeing all these other kids live this completely different existence, I would have questions.
2: Yeah. Which speaks to the insularity of communities that do maintain customs that aren't super modernized with the rest of the world. Because if I think if they had more access to it, their curiosity would get the best of them. They're really the only choice you have is to, I don't know, keep it at a distance. Because even like, remember when the Disney Channel cost money, like even going to kids houses that had the subscription Disney Channel, like once you get a taste of something that you didn't have access to as a kid, when you're not internalizing the deeper customary ritualistic elements of it. They're just like, oh, man, I want to, you know, a Game Boy type thing. What are those called? A a Switch. A Switch. cool thing now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is it funny? I mostly, instead of associating a Nintendo Switch with kids, associate it with Nora McInerney.
2: Nora (laughs) is such a gamer. (laughs) I kind of love the idea of like normalizing that form of leisure because it's no more or less sophisticated than anything. Like all leisure is valid. And if you want to zone out to Candy Crush or Mario Kart, it's a good good use What's of that, like, farm no brain game power that people play. Uh, I'm currently oh, playing a farm I game. I want to say welcome called, to Farmville, uh, which is uh, not right. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was f- a Facebook game. Farm Minus fold
1: Township. I'm operating a very thriving farming community.
2: Oh, no uh, way. It's growing. It's kind of like Sim City for farming.
1: It's really relaxing.
2: Yep. Okay. I. But <laughs> you're still getting icons popping. That's fine.
1: I don't. <laughs> This always um, happens to me, and Olivia can never get it to happen too. But I'm not doing anything; like I'm not pressing anything.
2: <laughs> like it's okay that you play a farm game, girl. Thumbs up. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> Zooms like stay you. on the internet. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of: Were you guys into Dino Park Tycoon or Roller Coaster Tycoon in like elementary, middle school on Mac computers? Oh, Roller Coaster Tycoon for sure. I remember. Yeah, I mean, also the original small Sims. Worlds, oh yeah, never gets old. I
0: mostly just did the Lizzie McGuire game where you just changed her outfit on the Disney Channel Games Did anyone else do that? No. It was it was great.
2: The best are the games with the um, Cosmo Total Makeover where you uploaded a photo from a point and shoot and you got to try on different hairstyles and they looked god awful. <laughs> do you remember that? Yes. Like I want to be a redhead. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I still get sucked oh. in by the Instagram filters that do that. Oh, totally. And at least they're slightly more accurate. They're
1: slightly more accurate, slightly. I think they're too flattering. I think they're like, you know, it just like smooths you over, like puts on different hair and it like gives you false confidence that you're like,
2: I could be a redhead. And it's like, no, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. The bold glamour filter. I'm like, God, I'm gorgeous. But it's It's also like changing the shape (laughs) of your face. Yeah, it's (laughs) changing the shape of your face.
0: And I'm like, oh, wow, I could do that with some eyeliner. It's like, no, you couldn't. Like you need a surgeon,
2: Olivia. (laughs)
1: Truly, I know. All right, Kate, what is your
2: third thing that you brought us? Well, you know, I don't know if you heard, I do have a book coming. I'm just kidding, I'm talking about it so much. Um, <laughs> but yes, I have a book that was out on January 23rd called One in the Millennial, and it's a celebration and criticism of the female millennials like guys. And I talk about a lot of different pockets of culture where I think that lessons were learned. And one of these for me, I think what's interesting about millennials is like we were, you know, we're a little behind and we were the first online. And I think it was a big undertaking to have to be the first to develop and curate our identities online. And we did it through AOL Instant Messenger. And we talk about social media like that was the first frontier. But actually, I was curating my existence on AIM for the better part of 12 years, from like 1997 to 2009. And it was a water cooler. And reflecting upon it, I was like, I honestly mostly used it to try to seduce boys I was too afraid to talk to in person or to passively, aggressively communicate something, via an away message my third thing that i wanted to speak about this is from my chapter you've got mail which i released on my podcast last week as a free audiobook chapter about AOL instant messenger is like what i think is the ultimate hot girl behavior of like late 90s early 2000s online which is not to have an away message but to go idle it was kind of like <laughs> early hustle culture Can and i, I have were,
1: such right. clear memories of like <laughs> but you also needed to make it so your
2: screensaver didn't go on so you could see what yes. happened when you went idle bottom corner of the screen where like the start <laughs> button is. And a hundred percent, there was such an art to like the notifications and the, I don't know. It's like, a, it was just a game of dressage where I you want to be away, but so away that they think you've been gone from your house all day. And like that's sending a message when you're grayed out. But yeah, I used to look in the window that reflected off my computer to see if I had any windows blinking. Cause that meant somebody IM'd you. And I have a lot of memories of like notifications like that throughout life, whether it was when I had a BlackBerry waiting for the red light to go off or even the anxiety I feel now waiting for news or whatever. I think there's something funny about those early days of like waiting with bated breath for your crush to sign on, for them to IM you. And then the art of figuring out how unavailable do I seem at this moment when I am just sitting here waiting to be IM'd. And, I've, you know, we've been doing that dance since the beginning. Kind of makes me laugh. That's oh true. my gosh,
1: this is hitting so hard. And then also, I feel like by the time I was in high school, we had a specific second phone line for the internet, mm-hmm. but when it was like pure dial-up AOL and you had to log
2: off when your parents needed to use Ugh. the phone and then you, you missed things. And if they simply picked up, it would cut you off. And if you were in the middle of like, a total flirtation, deep convo. I have so many memories of being like, God, stupid mom. Like, yeah, you're you like, to- I'm operating a lot of scams right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. you need to consult me. I know, I it, would, it really was its own universe. And it's just funny because, yes, we did have a more unplugged upbringing, but I do, did also clock a ton of time on the computer, maybe proportionate to the screen time of now because it was so new, it was exciting. And I don't think our parents really understood what we could get up to on it. What was your first screen name? My first was Love Plum One because my dad made it, and that's what he called me. I really experimented. Like I moonlit as Waffle Seventy Seven one weekend when I was eating a lot of Waffle Crisp. I tried to do crazy and cool, but you know how screen names with an would get N? taken. So I spelled it K R A Z E N K E W L. The crazin cool, like it's an <laughs> IKEA furniture piece. like it's just it's not a real. It didn't make any sense, but you had to uh, you had to improvise with like Lil or Baby or XOXO to like get what you wanted because the real thing was always taken. Oh,
0: now I'm remembering it was all like Lil Blondie '92 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like
2: every single Was that one. you, Olivia?
1: Were you Lil Blondie '92? Oh,
0: no, I I was Elefante '79. It made no sense, and I kept it for my entire lifetime, I was like, I am not going to be the cute version. I'm going to be the weird, quirky one. It's, the it's
2: embarrassing, in the room, really. I love that because part of the issue was we didn't understand the longevity of the brand we were establishing. Like when you <laughs> yep. signed up, you probably thought you'd have it for one year. But yeah, meanwhile, you get to college and you're like, oh, yeah, you can find me at Elephant 79. <laughs> 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 it's, it's terrible
0: it's like why I admire people who have stuck with their blog names from like the early 2010s like the cupcakes and cashmere of it all cupcakes oh. excuse me like it's just you had no idea that this was going to be a whole business but just stick with it I, I respect it what about you Becca what was your screen name
1: my first one was Angel81GRL totally,
0: <laughs> totally <laughs> uh, that, so is that is you
1: were a cool girl now I know <laughs> Um, I don't know what the 81 was. I have no affinity towards that number. There were probably 80 Same other 70 <laughs> Yeah, they were like suggested. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then at one point, I had Tiger Lily Ooh. and some numbers. Nice. But I don't remember what the numbers are. You know, recently, like in the past year, I did you have a live journal? I didn't, but I would read other people's. I. Tried so hard to find and hack into my own live journal, but I can't figure out what screen name it's under. And I, mm, I think I also permanently deleted it like sometime around 2010. But I was in the way back machine trying to be like, okay, Tiger Lily, what are the numbers? Oh, you couldn't
0: remember? Totally, no.
1: no.
2: That it's is interesting. Knowing you have a history of picking arbitrary numbers, so that, and it's going to be even harder to figure out. Yeah, I have no idea. Could be anything. I really wish I could find like my old GeoCities site. I, I like. Oh my gosh! That. I got really into GeoCities Me or Angel Fire at a point. Me too. And I. What,
0: what is that? I've never heard of that.
2: It was like the prototype of like it's like Squarespace of 1988. Yeah. like a way wh- ah. easy way to build a hideous neon coded website with just like animations of, like a thumbs up or. Star mm-hmm. twinkling stars. It was uh, the only reason I did it was because there was a visible view count and a guest book, and you like wanted your friends to sign it. <laughs> I would oh. die to know what
1: what the content was on my Geo City site. Right, like what did we have to
2: be talking about? <laughs> what was I, I just an had my in? Tumblr
0: to fear coming back to life someday, which was entitled "Wonderlust" and such, which is horrifying.
2: Oh, <laughs> see, Jeff's my, <laughs> my, kids. I was slightly I too that. old for
1: to be embarrassing on Tumblr, so most of my Tumblr stuff is just retumbling other photos. Mm-hmm. So it's not embarrassing. I think it still exists. My um, favorite
0: Tumblr story, personally, is that I went to a really Christian conservative high school, and I went to college, and I had a Tumblr, and I like would repost gifs of like people making out or whatever. I don't know. And you know the anonymous thing on Tumblr where you could like write in a message. <laughs> yeah, I. Swear to God, I got a message my freshman year of college from the front office of my high school, being like, Hey, Olivia, just so you know, what you're posting is really inappropriate, and people here at Cambridge Christian still look up to you. <gasps> and I was like, This oh. is absurd. And thank God I put it on my Facebook. Like it is. Like, what, what was I think, the,
1: I think
2: the it? Was just the gist
0: of people like making out, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> People can't make out under God, don't you know? Uh, and my Facebook memories now shows it to me. But what a weird time on the internet.
2: Well, if you finish the book or feel like it, chapter four is called God Must Have Spent a Little Less Time on Me. And it is kind of about deconstructing my like experience in Christian high school youth groups and purity culture and that exact type of behavior. And I would love to hear your thoughts because... It's not a part of everybody's millennial story, but like so much of that attitude was pervasive to millennials because of, you know, federally funded abstinence-only education, the way purity Mm -hmm. culture infiltrated dress codes. There was a lot of this attitude in secular spaces that was so shamey. And it's like, thank God you, you know, fled the nest, spread your wings on Tumblr, and it's rude (laughs) of people to still hold you to that ridiculous high school standard. And, And you probably felt a little ashamed, like you had done something wrong and you hadn't. Yeah, exactly.
0: Ugh, I um, I just got to that chapter, actually. So I'm looking forward to reading it. But yeah, we had a weight training. W-A-I-T. That's what they called it. Stop it. Wait. Stop
1: it. Stop it. Stop it. I, if I could throw something. <laughs>
0: no, I, would. I hate that. For true love weights. <laughs> oh, I have uh, so many more. So many more stories. But anyway, I'm extra excited now to read weight it. Weight
2: training. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's wordplay. Did you have a purity ring? Me? Yeah. No. Okay, just wondering. I didn't either.
0: My parents were Catholic, so it's like they weren't like that brand, but I went to a evangelical school, so I had a very interesting religious vibe going on, but no purity ring.
1: No, I just feel like the Jonas Brothers were hawking that really hard at one point. I yeah. loved
2: that they had one
0: because I was a Jonas Brothers person in middle school or high school or whatever, but no, not me.
2: My theory is that Disney really promoted the purity adjacent stars and or encourage the wearing and hawking of those rings because it was kind of, that popularity was kind of at the peak of ranch culture and like the tabloid world. And I really think Disney was creepily capitalizing on anti-sex the way other people were capitalizing on sex. And yeah. like, I don't think they really needed to tell people about their purity rings, but like parents love that Disney had like pure talent. It's kind of, it's so creepy when the thing that sexualizes young people is you sexualizing them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I don't
0: it's, know. Uh, Disney and yeah, it's, I think you have a point there for sure.
1: I mean, it's also, I feel like Disney's better about this in some other places, but it's also so creepy because in so many cases, it's like grown ass adults playing teenagers. Right. Versus, I do feel like most of the Disney stars were actual teenagers as opposed to, you know, some like 28 year old guy. Like the guy on um Never Have I Ever is like in fully in his
2: 30s. Oh yeah. He's like, that shocked me.
0: Yeah, he, yeah. I googled it the other day. I was like, "Oh my! What, oh, this is why no one I went to high school with looked like this, <laughs>
2: like, right?
1: Because you know? he's like <laughs> he's a thirty-five-year-old man."
2: <laughs> well, now because of the Sephora teens and stuff, people are skipping their awkward phases altogether. I mean, yeah, young people just look a little older now too than I think they used to. Or maybe every generation says that, but. I just feel like I'm not seeing a lot of tween-aged kids with like expanders and orthodontia and like wearing Umbros or you know where like, is the like, acne? That's my <laughs> where's question. the acne? Well, they have where are routines? the pimples? <laughs> yeah, I had proactive, <laughs> same, and <laughs> it, it
0: didn't help.
1: <laughs> oh. Kate, you have been such a fantastic guest. Can you please give everyone the lowdown on? Where they can get your book, where they can find more of you on the internet if they do not already listen to your podcast and follow you on social media?
2: Yeah. If you like these sort of convos about what's in our collective consciousness culturally, I talk about a lot of these things on my podcast, Be There in Five. You can find me on Instagram at Kate Kennedy. And my book is called One in a Millennial, wherever books are sold. I have narrated the whole audiobook, Nine Months Pregnant. And uh, you can catch a chapter of it about Instant Messenger on my podcast, Be There in Five. Olivia, let's get into some end
1: matter here. What are you obsessed with?
0: I am obsessed with this musician slash song. Okay. So there's this musician and his name is Josiah Lemming. And I first started listening to him because he was on American Idol 15 years ago. And he only made it to like, (laughs) it does. I was a teenager. This was like the peak of American Idol, right? So he had this whole story. He was living in his car at the time. He was like 18, I think. I was a teenager. I thought he was really talented. Whatever. I've kind of like casually followed his career over the years. And he like left music for a decade and was a bartender and like gave the whole thing up. Like it just didn't work out. And then in the past year, he's gotten really popular on TikTok, which I have loved to see. He did a country sort of bluegrass version of "Anti Hero" by Taylor Swift that went viral. Anyway, it's been really inspiring to watch someone like committed to this thing they love for all these years and not necessarily be like the Noah Cons of the world, but still be killing it. And he's doing a lot of festivals with Noah Kahn and Hosher and everything this summer. Anyway, this sounds like I'm like his publicist, but I'm just personally, I I enjoy watching the trajectory of his career. And he just re-released a song today that he had on YouTube when I was a teenager that I downloaded on LimeWire. And (laughs) I still love it, and it's still great, and it's just a really nostalgic and lovely musical experience, so that's what I'm obsessed with. Love that. What are you obsessed
1: with? Okay, are you playing Connections on the New York Times app? Yeah, I have for a few weeks-ish now,
0: and I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I have mixed feelings.
1: Oh, I love it. So I feel like Connections is becoming the new Wordle. I feel like I have seen so many different friends of mine starting to play, and then It's like taking over our group chat where every morning everyone has to send their connections score. And like I've seen Ashley Spivey post hers on Instagram. Like I'm just seeing it everywhere. I think it's so fun. So if you don't know what it is, it's on the New York Times app or website. And you get a group of 16 words and you have to organize them into four groups of four. And some of them are really obvious. Like, I don't know. It might be like, fast food restaurants. And it's like McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Taco Bell. But sometimes they're really, really tricky where it's like they all go together with another same word. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have multiple associations. Yeah. Like maybe it's like blank mouth and it's like big smash. I don't know what else goes with mouth, but I've lost (laughs) the plot here. But so anyway, it's like kind of hard. And I feel like I only successfully solve it 60% of the time, maybe? Not always. Yeah, sometimes it is
0: surprisingly difficult.
1: I think it's so fun. It
0: is a very like satisfying use of your brain. Yeah. And it's weird because I feel like your brain never works that way. So I do like that about it a lot. Yeah. What about reading? I read The Sicilian Inheritance by Joe Piazza, and I enjoyed this book so much. And it's really different because it's like historical fiction, but it's also kind of a thriller, but it's not really super, super scary, but there's definitely a mystery. And then it's also kind of like a travel story because it's set in Sicily. Surprise. Anyway, I really enjoyed it. And the final twist I did not see coming at all, which I always appreciate that.
1: Wait, so have you heard this? So this is not a spoiler because it's in the back cover copy, but the book is about A woman who's like kind of a disgraced chef who goes to Sicily and ends up investigating the death of her great grandmother, which might be a murder. And apparently, Joe actually did this. And she's also releasing a companion podcast about solving her great grandmother's murder, her own great grandmother's, like not the characters. Yes. Thank you for
0: mentioning this. I totally forgot. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to listening. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell she definitely has a personal connection to it. So yeah, it was great. I think a lot of different people would enjoy this book.
1: I'm very excited to read it. I mean, my list, my pile is about to fall over, but it is high up on the list. <laughs> Same.
0: Uh, what have you read?
1: Okay. So I also read a forthcoming book. I read One Star Romance by Laura Hankin, who wrote uh, most recently The Daydreams. She also wrote A Special Place for Women, which was a book club pick way back in the day. And... This is her first true rom com. Oh my god! I loved this book so much. So it is also based on a true story that Laura was a bridesmaid in a wedding and had to walk down the aisle with a guy who gave her book a one star review, which incredible also, premise. Incredible premise, which also happens. In this novel. So it's an enemies to lovers romance about these two people who are connected through their best friends who are married, who keep running into each other at their friends' life events and just really getting off on the wrong foot.
0: It sounds so good.
1: It's so good. It's also so funny to me, and I think you will find this so funny too, that the main character in it is at one point in the book, she's a debut novelist and the way she's talking about her Goodreads reviews and like checking things online and how she's thinking about how successful she'll be or jealous of other people. It is so real.
0: I can't wait to read this one.
1: It's so fun. But if none of those appeal to you, we also have our January book club coming up next week. And we are reading 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, which I just finished and I enjoyed so much. I highlighted the shit out of it. It sounds really self-helpy, like it's a time management book, but it's almost kind of an anti-time management book about how capitalism and modern technology makes getting everything done impossible. And, you know, you only have one wild and precious life, so you better make the most of it instead of just checking off things on your to-do list. So join us. Join us.
0: (laughs) And you can also join us in the Facebook group. It's under Bat on Paper Podcast or in our Geneva group, also under Bat on Paper Podcast or on Instagram, which you guessed it is also Bat on Paper Podcast. And I am on Instagram at Olivia Mentor.
1: And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And my silly little side project is famous people reading, people spelled PPL. And as the name implies, I'm just telling you what famous people are reading,
0: it's enjoyable. It is. All right. Okay. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye. (laughs)